Hi, greetings. It's a real privilege to be invited into the mix with you today on this Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm grateful to Andrew for kindly asking me in. Um, I've been the unofficial president of the New Life Fan Club for many years. And so any opportunity just to be there in the back row and um, to be present has always been a joy. And to sneak in this last year and a half on Sunday mornings with the YouTube and just to participate in that way, that's always been a joy. So thank you for standing tall, standing firm, standing in the Lord. And I pray that um, for you, that as a community going through this challenging time, it will only serve to strengthen your love for Christ all the more, love for one another all the more, and the determination to be faithful to our Lord all the more. Sound good to you? Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm also thankful, of course, not just to be in the mix, but to open up the scriptures with you uh, today. I mean, what, what we hold in our hands is the living word of God. God desiring to speak into your life, into my life. That's kind of mind-blowing. Mind-blowing, isn't it? God wanting to speak. Someone's told me recently, God is more eager to speak than we are to listen. God is always ready to speak into our lives. And so we want to pray right now that as we read this, the word and listen to this word, that this will be the voice we will hear above all other voices trying to get our attention right now. We want to pray that nothing will hinder the work of God's Holy Spirit in speaking truth into our lives. And that truth, of course, is not just so we'll know something else, but that truth is there to actually shape how we do life, how we live life, to shape how we serve with more, uh, be more authentic, more genuine, hopefully all the more compassionate and understanding. And all the more appreciative. All right, so I, I'm trusting God to do far more than I could ever begin to imagine, which is what we're supposed to do. In fact, one person said to me, if God can do more than we can ask or imagine, then we should ask, we should imagine more. We should imagine more. So let's imagine, even now, that we will hear God speaking to our lives in ways that really make sense and really shape our lives. All right. I'm going to pray. So, Father, thank you for this moment. And please, may the anointing of God's Spirit come, not just upon me, but upon all of us who right now are in a place to listen. We bow before you, Lord Jesus. We pray you will have our complete, undivided attention now. Lord Jesus. Amen. What a joy. Please, if you have it handy, Open your Bible, not too far along, into the book, First Kings, uh, chapter 17. First Kings, a little episode in the life of a man named Elijah. And in this episode, if you want to put a title on this, just living the faith at home. Living the faith at home. I think that would work. Something like that. Because that's the way I think the message of today is really all about, is what it looks like, what it means to really be true to Jesus right there where you hang your hat. All right? So, First Kings chapter 17. I'm going to read a chunk beginning at verse 8. All right, here goes. 
The Lord said to Elijah, go and live, go and live, wow, in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. A little, little tiny bit of background, there's a famine going on. Food is super scarce. Life is really hard. Elijah's been taken care of, been taken care of by God. This is how. Go to this widow's house and she'll feed you. Okay. All right. So verse 10. So Elijah went to Zarephath and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please give me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead. And do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. (laughs) And then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did, as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. We'll stop there for a sec. Living our faith at home. Some would say, and I I think maybe they're right, it could be the most difficult place to live a consistent Christian life. And um, where the rubber hits the road. It's one thing to live the life in you know a house group or, or on a Sunday morning, wherever you happen to worship. But to live it with those who are watching you and living with 24-7, to, with all of the demands, all the surprises, right? All the irritations, <laughs> away from the eyes of the church, right? I mean, this is the challenge, but this is the call. There is, in the home, there is a constant need for gentleness, for patience, for sacrifice, for understanding, for self-restraint, for unconditional love. There's a constant need for forgiveness and to forgive. I mean, this is, I won't want to belabor it, but it's where many men and women fall and fail. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but it's true. Some who are well-known in the pulpit and seem to be so, got it all together in Christian ministry. No, not so much sometimes at home. Again, I won't belabor it. It ought not to be. One of my favorite writers, he's been gone a long time, but he, his, his ministry sure lives on through his books was F.B. Meyer. And here's what F.B. Meyer said. I scribbled this down. If our love for Christ is what it should be, It will resemble the law of gravity, which not only controls the planets in its spheres, but the gravity that guides the course of every grain of dust through the autumn breeze and determines the fall of a rose leaf fluttering to the path 
Everything will come beneath its sway. Each look, each word, each trivial act, if our love for Christ is what it should be. A really helpful way to pray, I'll just share this right now, because I've had to pray it often for myself, is Lord Jesus, please raise your throne in my home and reign from there as you do in heaven. But before I pray that prayer, I have to pray this prayer, Lord Jesus, please raise your throne in my heart and reign from there as you do in heaven. So in our look this morning in First Kings 17, we see a man of God, Elijah. He's invited into a home. And as we look at this man, we see certain essentials that pop up concerning our own lives about what it looks like to live our faith in our home. So the first thing we noticed there was, go and live, God says, in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. Now this widow, this lady, her cupboards were just like those of Mother Hubbard, right? Nothing there. She was preparing to die. The next meal she would have with her son would be their last. She just had accepted that. As reality, as I'm sure many other people were facing at the very same time. But to this home, God calls Elijah, not to a house that's just, you know, stocked up from going to Costco, um, not to a house with all the newest and the best appliances, a house of luxury and ease. No, he's called Elijah to go to a place where a lady is utterly dependent upon the mercy of God each day, just to live. God called Elijah to depend upon him the same way as a child depends upon his mom and dad. We read these words in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Might be familiar. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Paul, looking in the rearview mirror of his life in mission and ministry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, 13. Paul says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That's the context of that announcement. Contentment. Living the faith in our homes is linked with being content with what we A wise man once said, don't grumble because you don't have what you want. Be grateful. You don't get what you deserve. (laughs) I think there's a lot of truth in that. So I ask myself, before I go any further in 1 Kings 17, am I content? Are you content with what you have? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trusting then that everything you need will be added to you? Elijah was content to be a part of that home that was utterly dependent upon the mercy of God each day. 
Godliness with contentment, Paul says, is great gain. We can either accumulate more in a futile search for contentment, or we can desire less and be content and thankful. A lot of personal stories I can share there, but I don't need to. I'm sure you've got your own. All right, so that's a little bit so far. Look at verse 17 and following. So the lady's eating. There's food in the house, right? Amazing. God is amazing. <laughs> and all this well, and she must be so thankful up until this moment that God so kindly directed Elijah to move into her home. Okay, but here comes another chapter, another in her life. Verse 17 of chapter 17. Sometime later, so it's been a while, the woman's son became sick. Hmm. He grew worse and worse and finally died. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sin and kill my son? So you see the suffering of this boy and the anguish of this mom. How long had this little guy suffered? Straining his mom's nerves to the point where she had all this pent up emotion that she just kind of walloped on Elijah. What have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sin and kill my son? Now, Elijah, remember it's all about living the faith at home. Elijah, he could have retaliated. He could have come right back, which often happens in the home. Someone comes at you, you give him right back. He doesn't do that. He could have hit back, basic to human nature. I've heard it said it's better to bite your tongue than let it bite somebody else. I read a little poem one time, silly little poem, but helpful. It says, we mutter, we sputter, we fume and we spurt. We mumble, we grumble, our feelings get hurt. We can't understand things, our vision grows dim. But all that we need is to surrender to him. It's not the greatness of my trials. It's the littleness of my faith that causes me to complain. I scribbled these words in my Bible 47 years ago. Afflictions may test me. They cannot destroy me. One glimpse of thy love turns them all into joy. Elijah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he responds, Gently to this lady, which is evidence. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Again, I'm, I'm emphasizing the obvious, but we can go to prayer meetings and we can go to rallies and studies and missions. And so we should go to all of that. We can profess to give it all to Jesus, and so we should give it all to Jesus. We can claim to have this experience with God or that experience with God, and praise God for every experience we have. But when we go home, that unexpected interruption, that difficult person or child perhaps, that angry spouse maybe, I don't know, the differing opinion of a spouse, 
it could result in us biting back. But the good news, Dad, the good news, Mom, the good news, son, daughter, neighbor, friend, is this. The Holy Spirit led you to put your faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit fully intends to lead you to become more and more like Jesus. The intention of the Holy Spirit is to make you holy. If we cooperate with God, he will operate in us. Cooperation with God. So contentment. Yes? Okay. Gentleness? Too must, I would suggest, in living our faith at home. Now take a look at the third. She says in verse 18, Have you come here to point out my sin and kill my son? Now we're not told about what this is all about. What is the sin? We can speculate if we want to. How far back in her life are we talking? Does it relate to the birth of her child? We don't know. We don't know. But whatever it was, it must have been buried. The memory had been buried. And she dismissed it or she hid from it like we can all do. Or she put it under lock and key. Whatever it was, it was unconfessed sin. That's all I'm getting at. Which we can all do, even unconsciously. Just not deal with it, not face it, don't want to think about it. Consider meeting the righteous judge and being forced to face that unconfessed sin that we covered so well for so long. Nobody else knows about it, but God knows about it. Remember Joseph's brothers standing before the one that they had sold into slavery? Remember Peter when the rooster crow is the third time? To see Jesus looking right at him. Coming face to face with our sin is really uncomfortable. And for this woman, it was Elijah's holy life that caused her to come face to face with her sin. Elijah's holy life coupled with this terrible sorrow. The loss of her son that would make her cry, what? Have I to do with you, O man of God? Are you here to call my sin to remembrance? To slay my son? I mean, here is the difference of living in step with the Spirit of God. Our walk with God can reveal to others how out of step they are with God without you saying a word, just by being present. A holy life is a powerful weapon in the hands of the living God. And what is needed, anything more, I would suggest in our day is this, a baptism of holiness, a demonstration of what it means to be godly. I mean, Jesus never said, read my lips. He said, see my wounds. The world needs to see the marks of Jesus on the lives of those who follow him. For those marks convince, but they also convict. Yeah. I just want to, I'm stopping for my own self 
just to encourage us to realize that the Spirit of God may even now be nudging us in some way to remember some kind of sin we've tucked away. The memory we hate to even acknowledge. If the Spirit of God is doing that for you today, it's a gift. And I would just encourage you, face it, please. And don't pretend. Just face it. Confess it. I mean, to be honest, God, this is what I did. Forsake it. And be assured of God's forgiveness and his love. His intention is to heal. His intention is to bring wholeness. In fact, that's what salvation is all about. It's about wholeness. Becoming whole. So it could be even now that one of us, maybe many of us, are experiencing that kind of work of God's Spirit. Just to be honest with God. I've done this. I pretend that otherwise I want to come clean. I want to be whole. Contentment, gentleness, and the difference it makes. I mean, we, we hear about being channels of God's peace. We read about being instruments of blessing. That's because we're called to be his hands and his feet. I mean, you're filled with the Spirit of God. You carry about in who you are the Spirit of life. Not only to convince others of their need for God, but also, this is kind of wonderful, you'll see it right now in this story, to also be a channel of life. I mean, look at what happens now. So how does Elijah respond to this lady? He says in verse 19, give me your son. The, the kid's dead. Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms. This is such a tender moment. And he carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying. And he laid the body on his bed. And then Elijah cried out to the Lord. And I can appreciate that. Oh, Lord, my God. Why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. You see what's happening here? Channels of God's peace. He prays specifically, urgently, passionately. He spent time interceding. I mean, the picture is really clear. I mean, is there a wonder sometimes, and please don't let this get you down, but is it there a wonder sometimes why it seems so little is achieved in our homes? I mean, where is such determined focused prayer on our priority list each day. Be it raising little ones, be it in our relationships with one another. Elijah cried out to the Lord. I'm going to ask you, do you cry out for your family? Do you cry out for them? Earnestly. You find yourself weeping, lost for words, choking sometimes on tears. Do you pray specifically for the salvation of your family members. I mean, we are called to pray earnestly and specifically. Oh, that God would cause us to pray as Elijah prayed for our families. 
You, you may be the only one who cares enough to pray for that person who is nearest and dearest to you. Others may tell you, just forget it, don't worry, it's the way it is, live with it. No! 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 Any more than if I saw someone drowning, do I just live with it? Don't be discouraged. Keep on believing. Seeing that person not only for who he or she is at the present, but who that person could be when Jesus enters their life. Pray that. Pray that. What else do we see in Elijah about his heart? Well, verse 21 again. He stretches himself out over this little guy three times. The humility there. This great man of God, this prophet of God who stood before Ahab is spending time stooping for this little child. Not only that, for a child who's died. I mean, Elijah, somebody might say, some religious guy might say at the time, you're not going to defile your body with that dead body, are you? You're going to touch a dead body, are you? Jesus says, let the little children come to me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, to stoop, to become like a little child in order to bring life to a little child. I would just emphasize right now, I wish every church denomination would prioritize children. Top priority, kids. We also see Elijah's perseverance. He didn't just pray once. He didn't just pray twice. We see him three times. Three times he would pray. He did not give up on this child. God certainly can see just how genuinely concerned we are and how committed we are by how often we pray and how urgently and earnestly we pray. Elijah persevered. So verse 22 and following. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer. And the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down, well, from the upper room. Can you imagine the scene? And gave him to his mom. Look, he said, your son's alive. And the woman, her response, now I know for sure that you are a man of God. Now the Lord truly speaks through you. I mean, the result, a changed woman, a bold confession, a new life. Now I know. How do you know, lady? Not because others have spoken so highly of Elijah. Not because Elijah's famous in religious circles. No. Not because Elijah's really good at talking about God. Got it down to a science. No. I know because I've seen the walk of a holy content and gentle man of God in my home. So, just going to sum up. If the Holy Spirit is really filling the heart, there will be a gentleness in speech, there'll be a tenderness, thoughtfulness in smallest actions, there'll be a visible peace 
which passes all understanding, even when there's chaos all around. This is the mint mark of heaven. And it's good to simply pray again, come Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me, right? Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Secondly, Christ desires, we know this, this is lovely. Christ desires to make a difference in our home. Jesus, what would you like to do? I'd like to make a difference in your home. He does this through your heart. Home will not be all it's meant to be if our hearts are not all they are meant to be. Jesus will not be Lord in our homes until he is truly Lord in our hearts. So I'm just going to suggest a way to pray. Lord Jesus, please enter this heart of mine and make it your own. Please enter this house of mine and make it your home. And as you enter, Prince of Peace, bring your peace. And Lord of life, bring your life. And Shepherd of love, bring your love. Please do not come as a guest, come to abide. Come to love. Come to continue your work of creation to bring light out of darkness, to bring healing and hope. Lord Jesus, by your grace, enable me to truly live my faith in my home. May my life be marked with contentment, gentleness, and your life-giving presence. Well, let's pray this prayer right now, shall we, before we close. Let's pray this together. If everyone here wants to just join in with me. Lord Jesus, please enter this heart of mine and make it your own. Lord Jesus, please enter this house of mine and make it your home. And as you enter, Prince of Peace, bring your peace. And Lord of Life, bring your life. And shepherd of love, bring your love. Please do not come as a guest. Come to abide. Come to love. Come to continue your work of creation. To bring light out of darkness. To bring healing and hope. Lord Jesus, by your grace, enable me to truly live my faith in my home. May my life be marked with contentment, gentleness, and your life-giving presence. Amen. Amen.